The child is born. That is what moms and dads look forward to when they find out that they are expecting. Our first two children were born in uh, August and September. Not uh, respectively, but uh, in that order somehow, somewhere. Uh, and my wife could not wait until that good news happened that that <laughs> child was born. Our first apartment was, uh, we lived on the bottom floor and we had a swamp cooler, which in Michigan you don't know what that is, but basically a swamp cooler is just pouring cold water onto a filter and then air blows through that cold air filter and it adds moisture to the air and it cools things down. But when you're on the bottom floor of a three-story building, by the time that cold air gets to the basement, it's not that cold anymore. And uh, in Colorado, in the month of August, it tends to get pretty warm. I mean, we see three digits pretty regularly. And it happened to be in that year that we saw three digits week after week after week after week. And it almost was like all of July as well. Really not a good time to be expecting. So we were looking forward to that news, the child is born. Uh, in our Christmas series, we've been moving towards the birth of the child. We began in the first part of December, and we looked at Isaiah 9-6, and we saw the promise of the child to come. Isaiah 9-6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And we've been looking forward to that birth, to the birth of that child, to the, to the giving of that son. And this morning, as we join together, we see the headline that says, the child is born. And it's kind of exciting that we've made this journey so far and we now see this headline, the child is born. We saw the promise of the child. We saw that this child needed a forerunner. We saw mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, uh, Joseph being the husband of Mary, not dad. We saw that announcement being given to them. And this morning as we gather together, we wanna to look at Luke chapter two, verses one through 20. And we see this event, the child is born. And that's what we celebrate today. And we want to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Uh, my family, this is a, a passage of scripture that we gather around every Christmas Eve and we read it together as a family. And we think on these things as a family. And I'm amazed every year that we do it, there's something else that kind of sticks out to us. And I'm surprised that Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20 has not been a passage of Scripture we have looked at very many times over my 23 years here of sharing Christmas messages with you. But this is where we are this morning in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And as we look at this passage this morning, there are three headings that we're going to use to kind of lead us through this. The first thing we see is the child's arrival. Then we see the child's arrival announcement. And then we see the child's arrival announcement announced. Kind of smooth, huh? <laughs> Pretty original. All right, let's have a word of prayer before we dive into this. Great God in heaven, we're thankful that you are the great God in heaven, that there is no other. Lord, we pray that in our time together, you'd open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us. I pray, Lord, that as we gather here around your word this morning, that your word would speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would be able to leave here this morning knowing that we've heard from you. I pray, Lord, that in our time together, as we think about the child that is born, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts this morning. Though this is a 
passage we've read through thousands of times. I pray, Lord, this morning that it might speak to us as if it's our first time. So, Lord, let us see, let us recognize this child that has been born and what that means to us this morning. Lord, we are so grateful for who you are, especially grateful this morning for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. Now, the first thing we want to see this morning is the child's arrival. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, uh, but this is Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and it reads this way. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Now, as we look at this time frame here in Scripture, Rome is occupying Israel at this time. And in fact, at this time, Rome occupied pretty much most of the known world at that time. It was all under Roman rule at that time. And the registration was to take place. And this registration is very similar to our census. Uh, in our country, in our census, we get it mailed to us. Uh, we received our notification that we can go online now and do it. Uh, if you don't mail that in, someone will show up at your house and they will knock and they will ask you to fill that out. And so that is the process of, of what census taking is here in our country today. But in this day and age, everybody was required to report to their hometown. They were required to go back to where their ancestors lived and they were required to register there. And as everybody returned to their homestead, uh, that's where they would go, is wherever the family was from. Now for me, if we were to do this and the census people were not to come to my house, I would have to go to Cass County, Texas. That's where I would have to go. Uh, Linden, Texas is the county hall there. So I would report to Linden, Texas, and I would report. Uh, just outside of Linden, Texas is Mount Zion Baptist Church, and that's where the Lemon Cemetery is. I guess just most of the headstones there have lemon on them, and you're almost guaranteed to go and find your name. Uh, my dad is Richard, not the third, but there are two ahead of him. You can't say that, that he's the third, but you can say that he's Richard. Uh, and his name is there several times in the cemetery. Kind of makes his heart jump each time he sees his name printed there. But anyway, but that's how this would work. And so everybody is traveling and returning to their hometown, to their homestead, where, where their ancestors were. And so for those of them who lived in Bethlehem, this would be just a short journey. But for most of the people who've moved out to other regions, to other areas, everybody would be traveling to their hometown. Now, as you think about the 12 tribes of Israel being scattered all over Israel, there would be some who would still live in their hometown, but there would be others who would have moved away due to jobs or, or marriages or other things, but they would make that trek back to their hometown. So it would be Christmas traveling, just like we have today, everybody traveling, and that's what they would have done. And so that's what we see going on here as everybody travels. Now, verse 4 says this, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
Now, the last time we were together, we looked at Joseph and Mary. We saw God send an angel to Mary, share with Mary that she was his choice. He was the chosen child and he was going to use her for great things. We also saw Mary very humble and, and unquestioning as she recognized that this was God's plan. And she said, your will be done. She was just trusting the Lord. Uh, Joseph heard news about her uh, being with child. He wasn't overly excited, but an angel came and spoke to him and said, it's okay. Uh, this child is of God. Uh, and as we looked at this couple, we saw that they were from Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is in the northern part of Israel. Judah is in the southern part. And it seems so strange, it seems so odd, that God would choose someone from Nazareth. Uh, and even though the prophecy said this child was going to be born in Bethlehem, the hometown of King David, it seems like it's not going to work out very well. It seems like maybe God didn't plan this very well. <coughs> but as we read this, we know that, that God had a great plan. Micah 5.2 shares this with us. But you, O Bethlehem, Epathra, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Just like we saw in Isaiah 9.6, the location is given. God is working everything together in his plan. And only God can get this Nazareth couple, this group of northerners, God is the only one who can get them to go to Bethlehem. And God does just that. It's kind of interesting as we look at this because Mary really didn't have to go. Joseph could have registered on his own. He could have left Mary uh, in Nazareth and she would have been okay. And you think about her uh, being very pregnant. And this is like, I don't know, maybe three months before the electric car is invented. So there's no heated seats. So she's riding on the back of a donkey, very pregnant, no heated seats, no lumbar support, not an enjoyable journey at all. But yet she's willing to make this trek from northern Israel all the way to Judah because God has a way of working things out that way. So verse 6 says this, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You know, I shared with you that every time I read this, there's something else that jumps out at me. The amazing thing to me as I read this this week, verse 6, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. It did not happen before she got to Bethlehem. It didn't happen after they were on their way back to Nazareth. It happened while they were in Bethlehem. Some of you have had that child who either didn't want to come and wanted to bake longer, and you as mom were not excited. You as dad were like, cool. <laughs> You've also had that child that showed up early, right? We had a child that was supposed to be born by my birthday. She decided to show up in January. So instead of coming in March, she shows up in January. I'm sitting in Bible class. The secretary comes and knocks on the door. And she says, Darren has to go home. And I said to my professor, my wife is having the baby six weeks early. 
and everybody laughed. <laughs> Six weeks early, she showed up. Not when she was supposed to show up. Now that had both mom and dad going, ah! Just at the right time. Not six weeks early, not six weeks too late. When Mary is in Bethlehem, at that time, it came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and she laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Jesus was her firstborn. And the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth. Such a simple phrase when you think about what took place here. John 1.14 tells us that, that Jesus came and tabernacled among us. He came and took on human flesh at this moment. We saw the conception take place, and it's just very brief, very, very short, very to the point, and that's what happens here. The firstborn son arrives. The child is born. That, that son was given. Mary would go on to have other children, but Jesus was her firstborn, and he was born here in Bethlehem. It says there was no room for them in the end. You think about this, and during this day and age, this was Hilton wasn't involved. There was no Holiday Inn Express. So what often happened was people would travel and then just stay at other people's homes. There were a few people that may have an extra few rooms for people to board. And because of the registration going on, so many people there in town, there was no room. But Joseph and Mary found a place, not in the inn, but in the place where they kept the animals. That's where they found room. And it was there that this child arrived. And it amazes me as I think about this, that this child, the Son of God, this Son that was to be given, this child that was to be born, didn't have a special place designated for it. But yet it was born, born in a cattle stall, placed in a manger because there was no bed. The child arrived. Now when the child arrived, there was an announcement to be made. Look at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now this was just outside of Bethlehem. At night the flocks would be gathered together and they would be held in a sheepfold. And this would be the safest place for those flocks to be. When morning came they would let them out and they would graze. But in the evening they would bring them back to the sheepfold. So the shepherds are gathered there around the sheepfold. All of the sheep are in the sheepfold. And shepherds would have, there would be more than one shepherd there. And they'd have more than one flock. But the shepherds would put all of their sheep in the fold. And the next morning they would just begin to walk. And the sheep would follow them and go out. I never have seen this take place. But I was with a guy in Wyoming and he raises bulls. And if I shared with you mom ranches and you were raised bulls, you would know who mom ranches were. But I went out with Gordon and, and some bulls got out of the corral. And we're talking 1,500, 1,700 pound bulls. And he's raised them since they were calves. And he would just start walking and he would say, here bull, here bull, here bull. And these bulls would follow him back into the corrals. Uh, and, and this was what would happen here as they led their sheep out of those sheepfolds 
and they would call them and the sheep would follow their shepherd because they recognize the shepherd's voice. They, they know their shepherd and they would follow their shepherd. Now I think it's interesting as we look at this and as we think about these shepherds being gathered with their flocks, shepherds were outsiders. Shepherds were outsiders. They were not part of the religious community uh, on the social rung, like you have first and second social rung, shepherds would be down here. They would not even qualify in the top five. But yet, we see these shepherds gathered with their flocks outside of the city. Verse 9, it says this, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. This is hard to imagine how this would be. You think about this being a dark night, no street lights available, and yet the shepherds are there, and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appears before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Imagine that on a clear night, probably stars out at night, but all of a sudden the light of the Lord shines all around them. Similar to the Old Testament, when the glory of the Lord shone on the ark uh, at, at night. But yet, this is the glory of the Lord all around them, seeing this on this dark night. And it says they were filled with great fear. Verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Fear not is, of course, the first thing they say, because that's what angels always say, right? Fear not. This is good news of great joy. And notice this is for all people, not just for Israel, but for all people. This would be good news for Israel, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They were looking for their Messiah. This would be good news for Israel because this would be their Messiah. But this is good news for all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. You know, there's news that we receive that's good for us, right? If you're over six foot, it's good news. If you're under six foot, not such good news, all right? If you own your own car, good news. If you don't own your own car, not such good news, okay? We get that news sometimes. Uh, if you live in the city of Medina, great news that we're getting a Chick-fil-A. If you live outside of Medina, not such great news because you're going to have to commute, okay? We have those things, right? But this says good news for all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. News, good news for all people. What is this good news? A Savior is to be born. Not a soldier, not a bureaucrat, not a politician, but God sent a Savior. The people needed forgiveness from their sins. Because see, they are born into this world just as we are born into this world, separated from God, at war with God, enemies of God. We need a Redeemer. We need a Savior. We need someone to come and reconcile us to God. And this is something that is good news for all people because all people can be rescued, whether Jew or Gentile, six foot and above or not. All can be rescued because God sent into this world a Savior. 
a Savior for all people, to rescue us from the bondage of sin. Remember the message that, that God gave, the angel gave to Joseph? Uh, this is in Matthew 1, verse 21. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That is the promise that was given to Joseph. That is the promise that was given to him. And we are amongst that group that, that can be saved from our sins. We are amongst that group that can be reconciled. Though being once enemies with God, we can be brought to God and reconciled with God. We cannot do that on our own. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. And this one who was born, this child that was born, this son that was given, is the one who can do that. He's the one who can save us. He's the one who can redeem us. Verse 12 says, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Notice that it doesn't say you might be able to find him. It's not uh, if you go, you will find him. It is a you will find him. These shepherds are about to make a road trip that they had not planned on. They didn't know about it, but they're fixing to go to town. That's what they're going to do. And they would head to Bethlehem, and they would find a baby, and this baby would be wrapped in swaddling cloths. Not a strange thing for babies, but it would be a unique thing for this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths to be in a manger. Verse 13 says, And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You know, I don't know about you, but when I read scripture, there are things that I hope someone videotaped. I want to see creation. I want to see all six days as that unfolds. I, I hope that's videotaped. I hope this instance is videotaped. Because as I look at those Christmas cards, and I got about six of them this year in the mail with this scene on it, I don't think it does it justice. I, you know, there's some good artists, but I don't think they do it justice. I, I think this would be one of those magnificent events, this heavenly choir assembles. Uh, suddenly there was an angel, uh, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, and they're praising God. Uh, I can't imagine this heavenly choir. I hope, I really hope it is videotaped. I, I think it's going to be an amazing thing to behold. And this takes place. And these shepherds are there. And it says, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Think about this. Peace with God. For those whom God is pleased with, there's peace between man who's, who's, in the midst of sin, destroyed by sin, living unreconciled to God. But yet, there's peace with God because of this Savior. Only God can do that. And that's the reason God receives the glory here in this instance, is because God is the only one who can do this. Now notice the child's arrival announcement announced, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known 
to us. Now picture this with me for a second. Imagine them sitting out there watching their sheep, okay? I don't know if they're doing thumb wars or, or what they're doing, you know, probably not checking Facebook, okay? They're probably in tune with their, with their sheep. All of a sudden, one appears, glory of God there, multitude singing, okay? And then all of a sudden, just as quickly as it came, it's gone. And you're back to how it was. Dark, stars. I wonder how that was for that moment. You know how it is when you look in the light? Some of you guys remember what cameras were, right? Remember how the flash bulb used to go off? and Remember that one you had to spin and the bulb would turn and you had four flashes per bulb? Do you guys remember that? My kids are like, what? What? I'll tell you later. It was a Christmas present, actually. <laughs> that light bulb goes off for a second. You can't see anything. So imagine how that was, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Imagine there were a few moments there where they were just like, just silence. What just happened? Kind of processing all everything. Does that happen to you? You kind of process everything? You know, you're at Myers checking out, and someone just cuts in front of you, and you're going to have to process everything for a second. You're just like, that just happened. You, know, you kind of think about it for a second. Your life flashed before your eyes. You kind of have to sit there for a second and think, I almost died right here in aisle nine. You know, that kind of, that's where they are. You have to kind of process this for a second. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. So after they process it for a minute, they say, hey, let us go. Let us go and see this. And I think this is such an amazing comment here. It says, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They know that this is something that was revealed to them by God and God alone. And they know that for some reason they were shown this. And they know that, hey, we can't just hang out and look at sheep the rest of the day. We've got to go and we've got to see this that the Lord has chosen to tell us. We've got to go. Verse 16 says, They went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went with haste. After everything sunk in, after they could once again see, they, with haste, hurried to Bethlehem. They left their flocks. We don't see anything about what they did with their flocks. They, they left. They went to Bethlehem to see this that God had shown them. And they found Joseph, and they found Mary, and they found Jesus, lying in a manger, just as the angels had shared with them. They found it. Verse 17 says, When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now, I can't imagine that they're not still scratching their heads a little bit, right? I mean, I'm kind of slow, so I can't imagine them just going, Yep, got this all figured out. I'm still thinking that even after all of that, they're still just going, Yeah, it's Novocaine, but it works. I don't know. This is weird. 
I can imagine that's kind of how they are. And I wonder as they started telling, I wonder if Joseph and Mary said, oh, you haven't heard nothing yet. Hold my Dr. Pepper. Let me tell you what just happened to us. And then Mary would share her story, how it happened. And then Joseph would say, well, I was sleeping. And it would almost be like, hey, that's nothing compared to what I saw. This is, this is how it is. And I can imagine as them all gathered around there, uh, just taking that in and, and, you know, sharing the angel encounters. And then Mary saying, hey, my, my cousin Elizabeth, you know, her, her husband Zechariah saw something too. And, and this is what we've been waiting for. It's, this is here. The child that has been promised has been born. And this is what has happened. And it says that Mary treasured up all these things, <coughs> pondering them in her heart. She took all of this in and thought about all of these things and tried putting all of the pieces together. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They would never be the same. They were praising God. They realized that this was a God thing. And they worshipped God. You know, I think about that. And as we think about the truth behind Jesus being born... We think about the empty manger. We think about the empty cross. We think about the empty tomb. Our eyes have been opened to the reason for all of those things being empty. How can our lives be the same? How can we look at Christmas and celebrate Christmas and not find ourselves praising God? Because Jesus didn't stay a baby in that manger. Jesus grew up. He lived a sin-free life. Tempted in every way, but sin-free. And he went to the cross and he died in your place and my place. And the Bible says that he died once and for all because as a perfect sacrifice, as a perfect lamb of God, unblemished, without stain, he only had to give his life one time. And it was sufficient for my sins and for your sins and for the sins of the world to be taken away. And the tomb is still empty today as proof that that child that was born, that son that was given, that sacrifice was sufficient. How can we not celebrate that? How can we not rejoice in the fact that God became man and dwelt among us. These guys became the witnesses. And they went and they proclaimed what they had been told and what they had seen. Maybe they shared what Joseph and Mary had seen, but they themselves were eyewitnesses. They gave glory to God and they began to tell what they had heard and what they had seen. That's what qualifies us as witnesses because we have heard and we have seen and we know the reason for that manger. 
We know the reason for that cross. And we know why the tomb is still empty. That makes us witnesses. That makes us bearers of the truth. What are we doing with that truth? So there you have it. The child's arrival, the announcement of the child's arrival, and then the announcing of the announcement of the child's arrival. So what do we take home from all of this announcing? I mean, what do we apply to our lives? You guys are way behind. Sorry about the walk. I think the first thing we have to take home is the fact that the child was born. Just as was promised. I don't know if in your lifetime, if you've ever had somebody in your life who made promises, and those promises were always found to be empty. I mean, they would make the promise and not come through. And it got to the point when they made the promise, you were just like, uh, you were more surprised when the promise happened because it didn't happen very often. The child was to be born, the child was to be given. The child was born, the child was given. That's the promise that has been promised in the Old Testament from Genesis 3, 15. It was promised and it happened. And there's still some promises in God's word that haven't taken place yet, but they're going to, just as the promises that have been promised have taken place, literally. Not figuratively, but literally. Who would think that a virgin birth was possible? Would take that figuratively, wouldn't you? Pre-birth of Christ. But it literally came to pass. There are other promises that are literally going to come to pass. We can hang on to those promises. We can bank on those promises. The perfect Lamb of God arrived on time. Not a week too soon, not a week too late right on time just as was promised because that's how God works you know right on time when we look at things when we think about God working in our lives sometimes we wonder where he is but I think the manger is a reminder to us that God works right on time according to his schedule according to his plan it doesn't always match my schedule it doesn't always match my plan but I can trust his plan his schedule to be perfect because it always is always is. I think as we think about the birth of Christ, about this child that was given, I think the utter depravity of man is a reminder because there was no sacrifice that would work. God had to do it himself. We couldn't come up with one. Remember Adam and Eve tried to sew fig leaves together to hide and to cover their sin? God said, no, that doesn't work. But he sent his son, the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. That's how utterly deprived, how deep our sin runs. God had to intervene. God had to reconcile us. There's no other way. And Christmas is a time for us to celebrate that. My question for you today what have you done with Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Sometimes we can celebrate Christmas and not really celebrate the meaning because we don't know the meaning. 
But today, maybe you're here for the first time and you've realized for the first time that Jesus came into this world to die to pay the penalty for your sin debt. And he paid it in full. But it's up to you to turn to Jesus and trust him as your Lord and as your Savior. I can't do it for you. It's a decision you have to make. So I pray that on this Christmas, if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today would be the day. Today would be the day. What a great reminder. I can't tell you the day, the time that I trusted Christ as Savior. I was sitting in the front row. My uncle was the pastor. And I remember him sharing and, and speaking about my need for a Savior. And when I went forward, he shared with me that he had sinned, that he had fallen short of the glory of God. And I thought, you as a pastor sinned? How does that happen? But then when I realized that sin is anything we do or say that displeases God, I knew that I too had sinned, that I had too had fallen short of the mark that God requires for us. I had fallen short. And I needed a Savior. I can't tell you what day it is, because I have no idea. But maybe today is the day that you recognize it. Wouldn't that be a great thing to remember? You trusted Christ as Lord and Savior on Christmas Day. What a great gift that would be. And that's a gift being offered to you today. I don't think it's a chance that you just slipped in here by chance. I think God brought you here for a reason. Let today be the day of salvation if you've never trusted Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Who will you announce it to? The shepherd's life was never the same. They went out announcing, giving glory to God. You know that you can't save yourself. God deserves the glory for saving you. Who are you telling about it? Who are you making that announcement to? God sent his son into this world. Isn't that crazy? God did that. God deserves the glory for that. How can we not go and tell others?